This is the Bible reading is John 20, verse 10 to 18, on page 1089. Page 1089. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, Tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, and to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. Wow, so, so wonderful seeing those baptisms, so wonderful. Um, in the New Testament, baptism is the first act, really, uh, as, as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So may this first act of discipleship, of following Jesus, of obedience to him, unleash blessings in your lives, Evan and Ali. And thank you for your amazing testimony as well. It's so international tonight as well, which is so illustrative of, of the gospel in the world. Um, I really wanted to baptize, um, and I, I had first dibs, I was supposed to do that, but... Um, I went swimming in the river on Good Friday, and I spent 24 hours vomiting and um, other nasty things. I didn't think I was going to be here. My, we had people around yesterday, and my, I heard my kids saying, Easter's cancelled. Dad's sick. Um, but I said to them, boys, you can't cancel Easter. <laughs> Easter day is the most important day of the year. The future of the whole world hinges on whether Jesus rose from the dead or not. If he, if he didn't rise, if it's a made-up story and if it's not true, then what you've just done is ridiculous. And Christianity is all false. If Jesus didn't rise, if they found his body tomorrow, it would all be false and we can all go home. But if it is true, then there is so much hope for this world Folks, something has happened in history that we can't ignore. Now, if a law firm wrote to you and said, hey, a distant relative of yours has died and they've left you millions, you'd probably be pretty skeptical, wouldn't you? But you would look into it, wouldn't you? <laughs> you wouldn't just throw it away. The offer's too great. And you might be skeptical about the resurrection, about Easter. 
but everybody needs to look into this because it offers hope for this world. This world is so broken, folks. There's a war on truth all around the world. But it's so broken, the war, the violence, the racism, the cruelty, the corruption, the lies, the evil is everywhere. And yet Easter says there is hope. The resurrection says the world that we always wanted will come about. Now in our text, uh, which was read to us on page 1089, uh, we read in the first verse, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. The first day of the week, Easter brings about the beginning of something, the beginning of the age to come, the beginning of the kingdom, the beginning of the invasion of God's truth and justice and peace into this world, the beginning of the world to come. So I'd like you to look at this text, which is an eyewitness account of the resurrection, according to John, who was right there. And I want to speak to you for 15 minutes, and I want to show you four things about the resurrection and about Easter. The first thing I want to say is that Easter offers you something rational. You can look that word up on Google Translate if you like, but um, by rational, I mean this isn't just a nice story that someone has made up that has a happy ending, like Paddington Bear or Star Wars or Doctor Who or whatever. This is an eyewitness account that claims to relate events that really happened and it makes sense. That's what rational means. It, it makes sense. So look at the text with me, verses 1 to 6. Have a look at it. Basically, Mary went to the tomb while it was very early and still dark. In our series in John on Sunday evenings, we've been looking at how John uses the word dark. When it's dark, people are in the dark and they don't understand. A man called Nicodemus came to Jesus in the dark. A woman came to Jesus at midday in the light. Mary is still in the dark about why Jesus came and who he is. But the sun is about to rise in more senses than one. She noticed that the stone had been moved, but she didn't go in, she ran back to the others. She ran to the, this upper room where the disciples were staying. And she called Peter and John. And then Peter and John had a running race. Who was faster? John. John, John was faster. He wants to say, as he writes this, I was faster. I was faster. I can imagine him remembering this morning very well. I was faster, but Peter was bolder because I stopped. But Peter, even though he was slower, ran straight in. Now John, another thing that John does is tell us about characters so that we might ask the question, who am I most like? Who do I resonate with? Which of these characters do you most resonate with tonight? Are you John, the cautious guy who believes but is not quite sure? Are you like Peter, the impulsive guy who's trying to figure it all out, 
Or are you like Mary who wants to just stick around and find out all the answers? Well, let's go into the tomb with Peter. When Peter goes into the tomb, what does he see? What does he see? Not nothing. He sees strips of linen. Those are what wrapped the body of Jesus, the body and the head. Now, have a look at verse 6. It says here, Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there. Now, when I look, look that up in the Greek, it's the word theoreo. It's not the normal Greek word for saw. Theoreo means to think, to reason, to wonder. And so when Peter saw, he was actually trying to figure out what is going on here? This is the Greek word that means to discern, to reason, to contemplate, to think. Now, what was he thinking? Maybe he was thinking this. Hold on a sec. If grave robbers had stolen the body, why have they left all the expensive spices? Hold on a sec. If grave robbers have stolen the body, why have they left... The, the, the wrappings that stop the body from stinking? Why have they just taken the body? And why does the, the linen look as if some, a body has just risen right through it? So he's, he's trying to figure this out. Now the point is this, it took a whole lot of thinking and reasoning for any of these disciples to believe. They weren't just gullible. The, the, the writers making the point, they did not believe. They were in the dark. They did not understand. They had to go home to think and to reason. Now, maybe there's someone here tonight, and you haven't put your trust in Jesus yet, and you need to go home, and you need to think, and you need to reason before you switch the telly on, before you look at your mobile phone. You need to think and reason what about these stories of very personal encounters with Jesus that we've heard here? What about this baptism? What about this resurrection? Well, what evidence do we have that Jesus has risen? Well, lots, but I want to point out a couple of things from this passage. And the first thing is Mary Magdalene herself. She was the first witness to the resurrection, the first one to encounter the risen Jesus. We see this in verses 11 to 18. Now, if you are writing a story, you wouldn't make this up. At this time, a woman's status in society was very low. Their story, their testimony was not admissible in a court. In fact, a second century Roman critic of Christianity called Celsus he criticized Christianity, saying, well, it's just a religion of women and slaves. And he said, one reason why you can't trust Christianity is that it's not masculine. And, and that the first witnesses were women. He uses that as an argument against Christianity, as most Romans did. And the point is this. If you were writing a story, if you were inventing this, you would never write it like John has written it not to convince people. So the only plausible explanation for why it's written like this, as women are the first witnesses of the resurrection and the first Christian preachers 
The only reason that you would write it like this is that these accounts are true. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all record the first witnesses of the resurrection as being women. Now, Peter and John needed evidence, but Mary needed to to stay around and to actually see him. These were ancient people, but they weren't more gullible than you and I. They're just people. Now, thousands of men and women all across the Roman world in the first century, they had their lives changed through the gospel, through the message of the risen Jesus. No wars were won. There was no material benefit at all in becoming a Christian, only suffering and persecution. And thousands of Jewish people, get this, thousands of Jewish people claimed that a man had risen from the dead and that man is God. Now, a Jew can't say that. A Jew can't say that a man has risen and he is God. That's blasphemy. And these people, says John and Matthew and Mark and Luke, the writers here who tell us about Jesus, they say that these people were frightened. These disciples were frightened and scared and staying in a locked room. And yet, within a few weeks, they are boldly proclaiming that Jesus has risen from the dead and they are dying themselves for it. Why on earth would they do that? Easter offers you something rational, something that makes sense, something that has great evidence to accompany it. But secondly, and much more quickly, Easter offers you something merciful. In this account in verses 11 to 18 where Jesus speaks to Mary, he is so gentle with her. He doesn't come in like Superman with a cape. He doesn't come in like the Flash or Spider-Man or Captain America to save the day. Look at verse 15. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Can you describe to me? Who's the person that you're looking for? Jesus is risen and powerful and glorious, but he is still very gentle. He's gentle with us when we mess up. He's gentle with us when we're struggling to forgive. He's gentle with us when we just don't understand. He's gentle with us in our unbelief and our rejection. He's gentle with us when we've sinned and we've let him down. This Jesus is a gentleman. He is kind. He is merciful. He is strong and powerful, but he is merciful. So come to him tonight. It doesn't matter how much you've screwed up. It doesn't matter if you've never believed in him. He is gentle. And maybe he wants to meet with you gently this Easter Sunday, and he wants his mercy to pour into you, and he wants to make you a person of mercy. And you know, Erfan and Ali, as you are both speaking, the Lord gave me a nudge to say something, and so maybe, maybe this is wrong, um, but I felt the Lord say to me these words, what the world most needs is fathers, when Mu was speaking as well, what the world most needs is spiritual mothers and fathers, and the Lord wants to make you both a spiritual mother and father, 
that mercy that you've received, he wants to unleash through you to others. And that's what the world most needs. And it, it's what he wants you to become. So I pray that today would, would launch that in your lives. Let's worship him, folks, for the beauty of his mercy and how that mercy can flow from Jesus through us to others. The, the third thing that I notice in this passage, not only is Easter rational and merciful, it's so personal. Look at verse 16. Jesus said to her, Mary. He knows your name. He calls her name and she knows it's him when he calls her name. Now think about this. Jesus is the greatest being in the universe. He has risen. He has ascended to the Father. He, he reigns in triumph. And yet he says to you this evening, I love you personally, expensively and eternally. Jesus is not a dead founder. He's a living savior. And that's why he says to Mary, who wants to grab hold of him, it's you, Rabboni, it's you. He says, don't, don't, don't grab hold of me because I'm ascending to my Father and I'm going to give you something much more precious. I'm going to pour out the Holy Spirit and then you can have me all the time in a way that you, you can't have me at the moment. But the point is this. This is something personal. These guys have had a personal encounter with Jesus. It's as if he has walked off the pages of scripture into their lives. This is what they've shared tonight. Jesus has intersected with their stories. You've heard them speak, very personal stories. And this personal Jesus will be with them all their lives. But folks, he knows your name, whatever your name is tonight. Matthew, Sarah, Jonathan, Alison, Rachel, David, Nicola, Erfan, Matthew. I've said that one, haven't I? <laughs> he knows your name. He knows your name tonight, and he invites you into this intimate relationship. So Easter offers you something rational, something merciful, something personal, but also something wonderful. Verse 17, Jesus said, do not hold on to me. I've not yet ascended to my father, but go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Amazing that Jesus chooses her to be the first messenger. Go and tell everyone else. Because do you know about Mary Magdalene? You know, in, a, in another gospel, we read that she had seven demons. Now, whatever you think of that, she was clearly somebody who was a social outcast, somebody who was mentally very unstable. And this shows that Jesus chooses the weak, he chooses those who know they need him. And I know Ali and Erfan are very good-looking, rugged guys. <laughs> they may look strong and rugged, and, but they would acknowledge they are spiritually weak. 
and Jesus comes to the weak. And this means he saves by grace. That means he doesn't save us because of what we've done. He doesn't save us because we're good or because we're religious. He saves us because we're weak and needy and we call out to him. Are you weak tonight? Are you exhausted tonight? Are you lonely tonight? Are you fearful tonight? You struggling with some hidden sin tonight? Let him be your shepherd this evening. Invite him in to have this personal relationship with you and with him, the Holy Spirit, to wash you on the inside. I've finished. Folks, look to the resurrection and what it offers. I want you to theoreo, to, to see and to think. I want you to think about how merciful Jesus is, how personal he is, how wonderful he is, but I don't want you just to think. There is an invitation in the good news. In the last book of the Bible, in Revelation, Jesus comes to a church and it says he's knocking on the door. And Jesus says this, I stand at the door and knock. You might have seen the painting of Holman Hunt. And the text in Revelation 3.20 says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. That's the invitation. He wants a personal relationship with you. So maybe you might seek him now for the first time. Let's just have a, a time of quiet. I, I don't want to steal Alison's thunder, but I just wonder if, um, as Ali was sharing about a physical response that, that prompted him to receive Jesus, if there is anyone here tonight um, and this is beginning to resonate with you, um, maybe you want to raise your hand or, or stand or do something that signals, I want to know this Jesus. I want to receive this Savior. I want to look into this. Or maybe, maybe you have felt far away from Jesus recently and you want to return to him. Or maybe... Maybe you've just lost the joy of the resurrection. You're here just because you felt you should be. But you, you desperately want to recover that joy and that passion that you once had. Maybe you also want to do something physical, raise a hand or, or stand. Um, I'm just going to pray. And if, if any of you fall into those categories and you feel moved to do that, it can be helpful. Um, so I'm going to pray, but of course, no pressure. I'm just going to pray and then hand over to Alison. Lord, we thank you for how merciful you are, how personal you are, how true you are, how wonderful you are. And I just pray that perhaps there is someone here tonight who really needs to hear this, who really needs to have seen this, and who really needs to encounter you tonight. I just pray that you would meet them now as they make this physical response to you. 
In Jesus' name, amen.